As you guys know, I've been here for almost three years now. My wife, Tara Kay, and I, and my little baby, Carson. Uh, and she hasn't been here that long. She's only been here for eight months. But <laughs> you guys will get to know her, believe me. Uh, but as you guys know, I, I was an a EMT for a while, and I worked in an ER, um, as well as working on a, a truck. And I got to experience a lot of things as an EMT. And Patrick's back there. He can agree with me. So he's going to connect with us amazingly well. He's a firefighter. And so um, I experienced a lot of different things. And I don't know if you guys have ever had to deal with this. But I recall one particular time uh, where I was called out to uh, help someone who had been trapped in their home. And, And they had been trapped in their own home and could not get out. Uh, they were actually in a room, and they, they were barricaded. I don't know if you guys have seen that, that show, Hoarders, but that's like what had happened, is this poor fella had, had pretty much uh, surrounded himself with all of this stuff, and, and he was no longer to make his way out of his home. It was so bad. Um, and so we were, we were called out to, to help this guy. Now, I don't know about you guys, but um, I've been trapped several times in my life, And uh, I want to talk about something today uh, that we are all kind of trapped in a sense. And and I was talking to my students uh, about two weeks ago, and it's what kind of sparked this. Uh, There's a place in South Tampa called the Escape Room. I don't know if you've heard of it, uh, but it's called the Escape Room. And literally what you do is you walk into this place, this warehouse type place, and, and you pay to be locked in a room with puzzles and clues. And the only way to get out of the room is if you find the key or your time runs out. All right. So, so uh, yeah, a lot of you guys are saying my time would run out. All right. So, uh, yeah. And and you have to work your way through all these intricate puzzles and, and, you know, um, in order to find, locate this key to escape. And I started thinking, I'm like, you know, this has a really big spiritual application because uh, a lot of us are intentionally trapped. Um, We have a unique thing that happens in our lives as humans is we build brick by brick a room. Now, for some of us, that room is, is surrounded with, you know, our addictions uh, so, so maybe, you know, we, we, have, we have pornography on this side and, you know, we have our, our lust and, and we have um, our, our alcoholism and, you know, we've got all of these different bricks that we have in our lives and we start to build this room around us. And I don't know about you guys, but I can recall just in, in this week a number of times where myself, I've added bricks to that room. Uh, and, and I know a lot of us are the same way, that we've added a lot of bricks over time to this room. And what's funny is sometimes we even pay so we can sin. Is that not, is that not true? Sometimes we even pay for it. And What's funny is we make this room around us and Satan gladly takes the door and shuts it right behind us. And we find ourselves trapped. 
in sin. We find ourselves in a place that sometimes it's, it's oh so familiar. And, and we look around and we start to get discouraged, but don't get too discouraged because you know what? You're not alone. The same as the escape room that I'm talking about, the, the actual place that is in South Tampa, you're not alone. There are other individuals that are trapped with you. There are individuals that are struggling with the same things that you're struggling with. And I don't know about you guys, but I need help whenever I'm struggling through something. Um, you know, to have more brains is much better than, than this one. I can be working on this puzzle for so long, but whenever I have help, it provides a different perspective, right? It provides a different view that we can look at that sin that we've built up and we start to look at it in a different way. And so what I want to uh, tell you guys is, is number one, you're not alone, okay? Number one, you're not alone. And, and we're in this together. So I want us to be seeking out individuals that struggle with the same things that you struggle with. Don't go through it alone. I learned this. I, I have a really good friend who's fighting cancer. And, and, and he was telling me, he said, you know what? He said, I don't know what I would do without those other individuals that have been through this before. Because it gives you hope whenever you see that someone has gotten through. And the same thing, whenever we're surrounded by this sin and, and, and we're trapped in this area, it gives us hope whenever we find individuals who have escaped before. So whenever you're in the escape room, it's really good to have someone who's been there before to help you get out. And, and I just want to lay down the line right now that in Scripture... And in John 8, verse 31, Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he says to his disciples, he says, Hey, I am the truth. And if you believe in the truth, the truth will set you free. And they said, well, what are you talking about? He said, they say, if I am a child of Abraham, then I am slave to no one. And Jesus stops him and says, oh, no, 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 no. He says, for if you have sinned, you're a slave to sin. See, sometimes we just need a different perspective. Sometimes we need to, to get in check and find out that, you know what, it's not all about us. And no, we're not perfect and so that's what I want us to identify with this is that, hey, if the disciples struggled with this, all right, guys, we do too. All right, we do too. And so no matter how tall that wall is around you, you know, God knows, we need to be seeking out a team to help us escape. We need to be uh, in understanding that this is something that we did to ourselves. It's easy to blame 
external forces and say, oh, it's because of this or it's because of that. No, it's because of us. We're the ones who flipped open that laptop late at night when everyone was asleep and we looked at things that we shouldn't have done. We are the ones who uh, are having inappropriate conversations with coworkers. We are the ones who are walking into the bar, sitting down and surrounding ourselves with this temptation. We are the ones who walked into the door and Satan closed it behind us. We are the ones who got ourselves into this. But we're not alone While we're inside of this escape room, we're working frantically with this team to find out how can we get out? Well, you look at the puzzle and I'm going to look around and and look under the couch cushions and and look up in the ceiling tiles for the key and, and, and let's work together. Let's work through this. And over time, we start to build relationships with these individuals. All right, and this is where I want to tie in core groups, okay? This is where I want to tie in core groups. That's essentially what core groups are. Is they are a group of people that we can go through life together with. They're a group of people that have done it before, that have been there before. They have different experiences than you and I have. They've done it. They've experienced it. And it's a place where we can go and work on these puzzles that we have made ourselves together. And we build these time-tested relationships. And over time, this team starts to earn our trust. And you trust them with more and more and more. And I just kind of, that's good. But I just, I just want to kind of leave it with a warning Because it's happened to me, and I've struggled with this, where I've put so much faith and trust in my team that I forgot about Jesus. And a lot of us can say this, they can say, oh, you know what, Jesus doesn't know what I'm I'm really struggling with, Jesus, because he's never struggled with this. He's never really dealt with this. What does Jesus know about divorce? What does Jesus know about that? What does Jesus know about um, uh, my, my dysfunctional relationship with my teenager? What does Jesus know about that? Here's what I want to let you guys know today is, is the humanity with Jesus. And, and a lot of times it's hard to identify with who Jesus is. And because we can't identify with him, we don't go to him with things that we really should go to him for. Here's the thing. Jesus was a child and he struggled with all the things that a child does. Just like my daughter Jesus was roaming around, crawling around, learning how to eat, learning how to walk. Jesus went through those struggles that a child would go through. Jesus was a teenager. I don't know for sure, but maybe Jesus had zits. Maybe, maybe Jesus had uh, relationships with his, with his friends that weren't always great. Jesus went through the same things that you teenagers are going through. 
He struggled with the exact same things that you struggle with. Jesus was an adult. Jesus worked the job. Did you guys know that? That Jesus worked the job, and actually, in Scripture, that in, in Mark 6, verse 3, the Pharisees are talking to Jesus, and they identify Jesus as, isn't that that carpenter? They say, isn't he the carpenter? Jesus was identified by his job that he worked every day. You guys understand that he, Jesus lived on this earth for 33 and a half years. He had a job, and, and his ministry was only for about three and a half years of that. His ministry. Everything that we hear about, the majority of what we hear about of Jesus' life is three and a half years. Is that not crazy? Jesus did all of that in three and a half years. It, it kind of puts into perspective, what am I doing? You know, if he did all of that in that short amount of time, what am I doing? But Jesus worked this job from the point probably until from the point whenever he was a teenager until he was in, in his 30s, he was identified as the carpenter. So that means he knows what it's like to have deadlines. You guys with me? He knows what it's like to have deadlines. And when your boss is getting on you saying, hey, even though it was his dad, you know, he, he worked with dad. Even though it was his dad, dad's giving him a hard time saying, son, where is this order at? You know, these guys needed all of the, they needed all these doors made. What are you doing, Jesus? We got to get this stuff done. And Jesus, he, he had to work through those, those fights that we have with coworkers. He had to go through all of that. He knew what it's like. He knows what it's like to go through a day-to-day job. He, he worked it. And, and Jesus was identified as a carpenter. Jesus was also, uh, and, and these are ones that, that get me. These two really rock my world. That Jesus... Knows what it's like to be a husband. And, and, in, uh, and in Luke, oh, he knows what it's like to be a husband. And, and he knows in, in Ephesians 5, 25, it says this. It says that the church is the bride of Christ. Right? And so if we are the bride, that means that he is the groom. And therefore, we are married, Right? 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 Follow with me. Say, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay, I, I don't want to lose you. Okay. All right. So, uh, we are, Jesus knows what it's like to be married. Jesus also knows what it's like to be in a dysfunctional marriage. Amen? All right? He knows what it's like whenever your wife runs off and, and tries to, to get away from you. Okay? Because we do that a lot as the church, don't we? Jesus knows what it's like to be in a dysfunctional relationship. And amen to this. Jesus knows what it's like to be a father. It says in scripture that we are the children of God. Jesus knows what it's like to be a father. So he knows what it's like to love someone with all of your heart and for them not to really understand it. I love you so much that I'm going to punish you. And, and the thing is, is that that's what happens. And, and as parents, we sometimes have to punish our children in order for them to understand. He also knows what it's like whenever you tell your child to do something and they don't do it. Okay? 
Jesus knows what it's like to be a father. Jesus knows what it's like to lose a loved one. Now, I know about you guys that that is something very hard to deal with. He knows what it's like to lose a loved one. If you guys track with me, when Jesus was on the cross, he looks down and he says, Brother, this is your mother. Mother, this is your son. And there's no reason why Jesus would do that if Joseph was still around. He's saying to the disciple whom he loved, he says, take care of my mom, man. I'm all that she's got. And he looks down and he says, take care of my mother. Because he suffered the loss of his father. Jesus knows what it's like to lose a loved one. Jesus Jesus suffered heartache. He knows what it's like to suffer heartache. And it says in Isaiah, it says that Jesus is a man of sorrows. He is a man of sorrows. And what I love about that scripture, it says that he is a man of sorrows and he is acquainted with grief. He's acquainted with grief in the fact that he knows what it's like to have heartache and and that, that sorrow weigh on him. The point that I'm trying to make, guys, is it's great to get that dream team around you whenever you're trapped to help you out. But if we don't reach out to Jesus, chances are that we're all just going to be running in circles. Jesus gives the direction to go. And, And which leads me to my next point, which is we need to be directing our prayers. We need to be directing our prayers. Whenever you're trapped, a lot of times... We just fall down in defeat. I don't know about you guys, but it's happened to me a lot. And it continues to happen to me. Where you get so weighed down with the things of this world that you just fall to your knees. And you're like, I don't know where to go. And in that brokenness, Jesus comes in and gives direction. So we're in this room and we're trying to work these puzzles and find these clues and we're praying, Jesus, help me fix this puzzle because I have no clue how to do it. I don't know about you guys, but I'm terrible at puzzles. And, uh, and my wife and I did one not too long ago. It was like 3,000 pieces. And right where you just look at it and you're like, really, this makes something? And you know what's funny? And you guys, you guys got to come see this thing sometime. It's this beautiful puzzle. And we put this thing all the way together, but it's missing one piece. <laughs> right? It's missing one piece. And, and it just so happens to be the... It's, okay, it's a, prin, it's a princess castle. Okay, it's a princess castle. We were, we were making it for Carson's room. Okay, and the piece is the door of the castle. Okay? <laughs> right smack dab in the middle of this beautiful puzzle. There's an open piece. And Terry is like, oh, well, now I just got to chunk the whole thing. And you know what's beautiful about it is that there is a missing piece. Sometimes that, that's so beautiful. Because you know what? In our lives, we have the missing piece. Jesus is that missing piece. He fills that space. 
And, and we, whenever we're working this puzzle of sin that we've put together, without that missing piece, it can never be completed and you can never find the key to get out. And so as we're working frantically on this and we're praying, God, just let me know where this one goes. Okay, let me know where this one goes because it's not the corners and it's not the clouds and I've already done all this. I've done the edges and God, just where does this one go? And a lot of us are like that, right? Whenever we're in sin, we, we, we get in that place of almost being argumentative with Jesus where we're like, God, get me out of this now, okay? Uh, if you really wanted me to get out of here, wouldn't you make this easier, Right? Uh, if you really wanted me to get out of this sin, you would provide a way, God. You would. And so we find ourselves with that peace in hand defeated. And we fall down sometimes in the middle of our, our room that we've created and we cry. And we cry that Jesus help us find. Where to put this one? And then we, we give up on that and we, we look to something else, right? Because whenever you, you, you sin with this one, we, we often, as human beings, move to a different sin because we get bored with that sin. And we move to a different sin and we start to work on something else, all right? And so now let's, let's flip the couch over looking for this key, okay? We flip the couch over and we're looking under here and we, we pray that God put the key under the couch. All right? We pray that God put the key in these places that we're looking so we can escape this sin. All right? You're, you're tracking with me now? But the thing is, is that's not always how Jesus works. We need to be directing our prayer. We need to remember that God is God and he performs in supernatural ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. His ways are above our ways. Who are we to ever limit God with our prayers? And, 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 and that's what I want to talk about is that sometimes we're praying for such you know, little minuscule things and these little minor things. We're praying for these little things when, when God really is ready to deliver the big thing. Right, we're we're praying that God says, or, or that that God tells us where to put this piece of the puzzle in our life. Whenever He's just saying, "Fall to your knees," and I want to destroy this room of sin that you are standing in. And a lot of us that are standing in this room of sin, we get almost comfortable in it, where we start to decorate the walls of our room, and we start to say, you know what, if I'm going to be here for a while, why not, all right, and we start to put up the posters, all right, and we, we start to, you know, um, move the couches to, to better suit a, a nice living space, and we get comfortable in our sin, you guys, are you guys following with me, right? That, that we get comfortable in our sin and that as the team is working frantically around us, we're sitting here saying, just chill a little bit. Here, there's a lamp. Read a little. 
you know? Or we're saying, hey, isn't this poster great? And you spend more and more time in this room of sin, and the years go by. And that's why, guys, that's why we struggle with this kind of hamster wheel effect, where you feel like you're doing the same thing every day, day in and day out. I'm doing the same thing. That's where that comes from. Is because whenever we're trapped, we feel disconnected from God. Whenever we're trapped, we feel alone. All right? And, and, and several times in my life, I have felt alone and, and I have fallen to my face and cried out that, you know, God, why me? Why me? Why would you do this to me? And I blamed God for getting me into something that I built. Whenever Jesus just reaches his hand out and says, if you just take my hand, I'll pull you out of this room and I'll leave nothing left of it. I'll pull you out and I will destroy this room to where not even the dust from the bricks is on the ground. That's what God wants to do in our lives, okay? We're asking God for help to make a road around the mountain when God just says, move the mountain. All right? We're asking, we're asking God to help solve the puzzles in our lives by the way that we built, that we put together. We're asking God to solve the puzzles in our lives whenever he says, hey, try the doorknob. Okay? Because the rules of this world don't apply to our God. He is above that. He is bigger than that. He is stronger than that. He doesn't need a key to open a door. Maybe we're praying for the wrong things. Maybe we should be praying that God destroy the room instead of help me find the key. The only reason we're looking for the key, by the way, is because we were told by the nice lady at the front room that we need to find that key in order to get out. Okay? Sometimes we're told by society that there's only certain ways that you can get out of this. Those rules don't apply to my God. He doesn't work with uh, Isaac Newton's laws. He doesn't work with any kind of scientific or, or any kind of physics or anything like that. Those things don't apply to God. All right? Those things were created to try to describe what God can do. Okay? And we fall miserably short. Okay? So if I can tell you guys something this morning, it's this. That we need to stop asking God to solve the puzzles in our lives and to help us find the key whenever he is ready to open the door. Okay? I've got one more passage of scripture. In, in 1 John 3, 8, it says this. It says that the reason the Son of God appeared is to destroy the devil's work. Is that not awesome? Is that not awesome? That the reason that the Son of God appeared is to destroy 
the devil's work. And you know what? The, the picture of the cross should give us strength no matter where we go. Because you know what? That whenever Jesus went on the cross, once and for all, it gave us power to destroy those rooms. All right? Each one of us have our particular little place that we've created, our happy place. Not really. It's a very dreadful place. But we have this place that we've created. And once and for all, Jesus Christ died on that cross. And he said, it is finished. And at those words, it is finished. The walls fell down and you are standing in the middle unscathed. And Jesus Christ is victorious. When Jesus died and he took his last breath, it wasn't over He had something else to do. Jesus Christ went down into the depths of hell and squared off face to face with death, took the keys out of his hands and came back up and said, you know what? No longer do you ever have to struggle with this anymore. All right. Isn't that okay? Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. (laughs) Follow this again. When Jesus Christ died. I had to do this. I had to do this with the pastors too. They didn't get it either. All right. I want you guys to get the excitement that is inside of here. Okay. Okay. So when Jesus died, okay, after living this perfect spotless life, when he died, it wasn't over for him. He said, I still got something to do. And he went down and he took the keys to your doors and came back up And it says, with a great cloud of witnesses, he came back and came to heaven and stood before God the Father and said, it is done. (laughs) Here it is. Here's the keys. You guys don't have to be locked in your rooms any longer because each one of these keys has your name on it. Okay? You don't have to worry about it. Okay? I can get you out the door if you want to use the door. But uh, my God is a, uh, is a wrecking crew, okay? Uh, uh, my God is in the demolition business, okay? And so that's why he asks us to kneel, because I think it's something like this, where we find strength, okay? I think it's a, it's a pose like that, where, where we just get in the middle of the room, and you duck down, because the wrecking ball is coming through, and it's going to destroy all of your sin, Okay, it's going to take all that away. But it can't happen for us unless we reach out to him. It can never happen for us unless you reach out to him. We'll continue building up this room. Unless we understand that Jesus Christ is there ready to pull us out. And we do that on our knees. Stop asking God to do the little menial tasks in your life whenever he's ready to deliver a miracle like you've never seen before. Quit asking God to deliver a single person whenever he's ready to deliver a nation. Quit asking God to help with the puzzle And to help you find the clues whenever he is ready to destroy the entire room that we built. Let's bow our heads.